You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Good morning. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, and we are excited that you're here worshiping with us. I also want to say happy 4th of July, a couple days early, and I just want to say thank you to all the men and women that have served our country, or that have given their life for our country and our freedom. Isn't that amazing? Let's just clap for that for a second. It's pretty awesome. And because of that sacrifice, uh, we can do this freely, and this is pretty incredible. Again, my name is Chris, and I just have the opportunity to be one of the pastors here at Grace and just love being able to serve the community here. And we're in our second week of our series called Refreshed. And last week, we looked at what it means to rest and have rhythms of rest in our life. How do we rest in the Sabbath and and taking moments and days just to focus on Him? Then we looked at there's rest in the promises of God and how we can trust the promises of God. And there's so much rest in that. And then lastly, we talked about how there's rest in Jesus. And today we're going to look at how we we can refocus some things in our life to be refreshed. So when I say the word focus, what comes to mind? What do you think of? The Webster's Dictionary says focus is this, a state or condition permitting clear perception or understanding. It also says an adjustment for distinct vision, right? If I didn't have these glasses on, y'all would be even more blurry than you are with these lights. All right, I wouldn't be able to see clearly. They help me focus. Another definition for the word focus is zeroed in on what you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to get done. So what is it you're zeroing in on? What is it you're focusing on? For some of you, it could be family, that's your focus. It's taking all your time and intentionality right now. For some of you, it could be work. Some of you, it could be sports. Whether watching sports, playing sports. All I know is when I'm focused on watching Kansas basketball or a Royals game or the Chiefs, my wife is like, our kids can be playing with knives and you're not going to pay attention. Like it takes intense focus. Also, maybe making money, your bank accounts, your appearance. That's something you focus on. Maybe the Johnson County facade, I like to call it. Like everything looks right on the outside, but inside there's turmoil and unrest, frustration. What is it you focus on? Could be what's next. Always worrying about what's next. The next promotion, the next vacation, the next house. Always thinking ahead to what is next. Your retirement. What do you focus on? Do you focus on yourself all the time? Maybe you're single and you're focused on finding a spouse. These are all good things to focus on. Maybe you focus on your morality. That you focus on being good. That you want to be good enough. So God will love you well. You focus on your morality. Maybe righting your wrongs. Maybe you've made some big wrongs. Some big mistakes in your life. And your focus is going to righting those wrongs. What does that look like? So we all focus on something. We all have things that we need to focus on, and separately, not all these are bad things to focus on, but should they require and should they take all of our focus, all of our time, all of our energy, 
Or do we need to refocus to the things that are most important? See, if we want to have refreshment in our lives, if we want to wake up daily feeling refreshed, we need to make sure we focus, that we refocus on what's most important. And that is that God is the center of our lives. And that looks like to know him, to know others in authentic biblical community, and to make him known to the world. Is that your focus? Is that get most of your energy? Does that get your best? If I say, hey, Josh, you focus on this, or hey, Ben, you focus on this. Hey, Chris, you focus on this. What would they say? If someone looked from the outside in and they say, you focus on this, what would people say about you? What is it? I believe if we truly want to be refreshed, then we need to refocus on what's most important. Let's pray. God, speak to us. Help us. Sanctify us. Convict us. And Lord, I I pray that we won't just run past what you have for us. That we won't even think that we have it all figured out. That we can be shaped more in your image. And that we'll be refreshed. Lord, I don't know what's going on with everyone here. I'm sure there's a lot of stories. I know there's a lot of stories. And my heart is, we'll be a church and a community of believers that is refreshed because we believe and trust and focus on you. There are people in here that are tired. People on our Olathe campus that are tired. People in the venue that are tired. People online that are tired just worn out and are doing it in their own strength. And Lord, that we will stop that. That I will stop that and focus on you. Lord, I also am thankful for the men and women that served our country. As we celebrate 4th of July and we light fireworks and are around friends and family, Lord, that we can do that because of the men and women that have gone to serve, men and women that have sacrificed, men and women that moved all over the world, left their families to defend our freedom. And for that, we're thankful. God, we... Lift all those people up to you. In your name we pray. Amen. So, if you follow along with our points and our notes, our first point for today is this. That refocusing comes through resting. We're going to go back again and look at last week and talk about rest in our lives. So, we talked about rest. And my question is, do you have rest? Or is your life, again, like this picture of stormy waters? We talked about last week the importance of of staying away from this condition of life that is fearful, it's crazy. I mean, look at this storm. Look at this picture. It's there somewhere. It's there somewhere. There it is. Look at that. Is that your life this week? Is that your season of life? Rocky, crazy, scary. Could you imagine getting on a sailboat and just going straight into it? The fear that would overcome you. But the reality is this is a lot of our lives right now. This is a lot of our lives. We spend in the chaos of the sea. You see, but if we actually refocus and rest in him, our life can look like, our life can look like the picture of still waters. Refreshing, calm, peaceful. My question is, what do you desire? What do you need? I want to go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. 
Hebrews chapter 4, 9 through 12. We cannot refocus, men and women, until we slow down and rest. You can't refocus by going all the time, going, 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 going. It's not possible. You can't just keep going and say, yeah, we're going to figure it out and be focusing on what it is that you need to do. I mean, it's just like the workplace, right? You have your goals. And if you just do all the time and don't slow down and say, where are we going? What is our goals and what am I going to do to get there? It's not possible. So we need to rest to refocus on what it is we need to focus on. And that is our relationship with the Lord. And says here, he, Hebrews chapter 4. There, verse 9, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. There remains a rest for the people of God. Those are people who follow Jesus. People that have a relationship with Christ that you've denied yourself. You take up your cross and have followed him. You've asked him to come into your life. For he who has entered his rest has himself also created from, excuse me, created, also ceased from his works as God did from his. So here we go. We see God rested. We go to pre-fall, Genesis 1 and 2. He created the heavens and the earth. Then he rested. God of the universe rested. And because we see that example, we need to have rest in our lives. And then he says this, the author, let us therefore be diligent. Let us therefore be diligent. Diligent means to be intentional, to work at it. The author and God's word is calling us to work and be purposeful about this rest. To enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. I'll talk about that disobedience here in a second, but I want to mention rest in our lives. And I want to tell you, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, if you've not made a commitment to follow him and confess with your mouth and believe your heart that Jesus is Lord and are saved, you cannot be restful. You cannot be refreshed. It's just not going to happen. Because ultimately we're talking about eternal rest. Living life with eternity in perspective. Knowing that we have salvation through the work of Jesus on the cross. But he said, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So what is that disobedience? The disobedience it's referring to is the children of Israel. God's chosen nation, the Israelites. So what the Israelites did, they were in slavery, in captivity in Egypt. And God made a way. Moses led them out into the wilderness and searched for the promised land. He part of the Red Sea. They left slavery. God provided them a way. But they quickly forgot about that. And they began to trust in themselves. They lost focus and began to complain, get upset, get frustrated. Not only that, they became idol worshipers. They worshiped different gods. And while you might not be worshiping a golden calf, you might have fallen into the same pattern of disobedience and had other idols in your life. Whether it's your job, your family, your kids, your activities, your promotions, your material things at home. What idols do you have? Have you fallen into that same example of disobedience? What is saying, we cannot be restful if we live in that place. Ultimately, we need to trust the Lord. And see, they needed to, to feel the here and now. And they said, God, you don't hear us. You don't listen to us. And so the problem is, we say that. We don't realize that God is working us right now. And he has a purpose. He has a plan for each and every one of us. Do you live life with eternity in perspective? 
Think about it. Do you, do you think how, that's whatever's going on now, how does it affect and how is it creating me more in his image and knowing that there will be eternal rest someday? So all of Hebrews 4 talks about the importance of rest, but here we're going to go on to the next verse. It takes a little sidetrack. Okay, a little side road here says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it's interesting to me that we see this whole chapter about rest and the importance of rest and ultimately eternal rest. But then it does the word of God and how important it is and how it's living and active and important for us to slow down and read it. And I believe if we're going to have rest in our lives, if we're going to have refreshment in our souls, if we're going to refocus on the things we need to refocus on, we need to read God's word. And while this seems practical, and yes, we know that, we hear it all the time, my question is, does your life really reflect that? Do you really slow down and use this to refocus? Or do you just wake up in the morning as a checklist or wake up and read it as a novel? Okay, that could apply. All right, next, and go on your day. But in reality is when we are tired, when our life is chaotic like that picture, if we slow down long enough and study the scriptures, I can say, ooh, I read so much I read, uh, tore my Bible up. Anyway, um, the, uh, if we do that, it's amazing what will happen. And there are seasons in my life that I'll go to the Word and it's just, it's just a habit, it's just a ritual. And I miss what God has for me. But if we do it and we read and life is chaotic, you'll see how God comes through. You'll see his promises. You'll see his conviction for us. And you'll be able to refocus. So do you slow down long enough to focus on him? Last week we had a time in our service where we were able just to slow down and refresh ourselves. We took a deep breath. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it on the front end this time. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Take a deep breath. If you're online, you're at home somewhere, take a deep breath. And I want one to ask you this question. Do you know Jesus as Savior? If you truly want to enter his rest and have refreshment, have you believed in him as Savior? I want to encourage you to do that first. That is a foundation for everything. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. I confess in my mouth. I believe in my heart that you are Lord. I know that my sin separates me from you. And I've been trying to do this on my own, but I need you to come into my life. Will you save me? I believe in your death and your resurrection. Save me. Proclaim that. And then I want to ask you, if you know Jesus, I want you just to take a few moments. My friend Brian's going to come out and sing a couple songs. And I want you just to find refreshment and resting before God. By talking to him, by listening to him, by confessing, by being vulnerable, by journaling, by getting on your knees. Maybe people around you be like, what are they going to think? But I need to get on my knees. Or maybe you need to stand up and worship. Resting before the throne room of God. 
It's a powerful, powerful, powerful experience. Let's rest in him. Let's listen. Savior lives, be 
Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. And then one day I'll cross that river. I'll fight life's final war with pain and then as death gives way to victory I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know he lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. God, I, we can face tomorrow because you live. You know the future. You know our hurts. You know our pains. And you meet us there. And Lord, I pray that we'll slow down long enough to rest in your promises. That we will just proclaim how great you are. And proclaim that you're victorious. And because of that, we have hope in life. Name we pray, Amen. Keep uh, thinking every service that we've done that I prefer to be done, and just let him keep singing. Can I get an Amen about that? Yeah, uh-huh. wow, Brian, thank you. Yeah, give him up. It's good for my soul. I asked him if he could just see me to sleep at night, and I thought, but it was kind of weird, so we decided not to. <clears throat> So we talk about refocusing comes through rest, but I think it's also important for us to understand that refocusing comes through relationships. If you're following along in our notes, that's our second point is this, that refocusing comes through relationships. We're going to look at James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, but before we dive into the text, I, I just want to know, what do your relationships look like? How would you classify them? Are they deep? Are they authentic? Are they vulnerable? Are they shallow? Are they busy? Do you have deep relationships? Do you live life in community? In honesty? 
What does that look like for you? Because it's important that we realize if we're going to refocus on the things that are most important, if we're going to be refreshed, that we have people in our life that push us, that love us, that care for us, when even when we make mistakes, that they'll tell us the hard things. So what does this look like for us? And what should it look like for you? So James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Anyone among you suffering? Well, suffering here is writing to the early church. They were going through a lot of suffering, so we could speak to them. Right? Maybe you're in here and you're going through suffering. Something difficult is going on. It can manifest itself in several different ways. It says, let him pray. We're going to see prayer throughout the fabric of this text and how important it is for us to have a relationship with the Lord through prayer. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders. Or some of your translations might say, let him call for the overseers of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil, the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess, it says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray. We see prayer again for one another. We see community that you may be healed. The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The first relationship we see here is prayer. Intimacy with Christ. Do you have intimacy with Jesus? Do you talk to him through prayer? Do you have that relationship? Not only there, then it goes and talks about the importance of spiritual mentors. It says, go to the elders or overseers. Could be pastors could be people that oversee and leading in the church. Do you have someone in your life that's a step ahead of you in your walk? Do you have someone that's just a step ahead that will push you to be the best you in your walk with Christ as possible? A mentor, someone who is discipling you. Every one of us, whether you're 85 or 5, you need someone in your life that's going to help develop you spiritually. And that relationship is not just, hey, let's hang out and let's talk. Let's talk about things of depth and of importance and of conviction and of confessing. Do you have that relationship? You might be like, well, I don't know where to find it. Well, I'd encourage you, as you get involved in church and you see people, you see them, hey, man, their relationship with Jesus, I want that. They lead their family well. They work hard. They love their neighbors well. I want to do that. They, They have the refreshment of Jesus in their lives. I want that. If you just go ask them, you'll be amazed by the amount of people that would say, you know what, I'd love to walk through life with you. I'd love to disciple you. Who's discipling you right now? Who? And this might seem, again, overly practical, but the hard part is putting this into practice. It's slowing down long enough, having the courage and the vulnerability to have this relationship. So not only do we need to go to spiritual overseers, elders and pastors and ask for their prayer and we love to by the way the pastors at grace if you're sick you're dealing with some sort of stronghold of sin we'd love to pray over you we would be happy to just reach out and we'll figure it out we'll care for you in that way it talks about the importance of calling them on them and pray and then it goes confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another what is one another here this is community this is groups as we here at Grace say, grace groups, the importance of this type of community in your life. Are you involved in a group? Could be a group of people, they go to your kid's school, you team up. It could be in your neighborhood. 
the local church, obviously here at Grace, we have a thing called Grace Groups. And this is essential, biblical, practical, and so important in your walk with Jesus to live life in community. But the reality is, is a lot of us don't do this for maybe one reason. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you don't have time or you don't think you have time. You haven't taken the steps or even had the courage to figure out what that looks like. My goal is not to make you feel bad, but to make you think of, okay, am I truly wanting to refocus on the things of God? Do I really want to to be refreshed? Because when you live life in community, with people that push you, love you, care for you, you'll be amazed by the refreshment that comes your way. I don't know, we've had friends and we've lived life in community that they've taken our kids to let my wife and I have a date or find refreshment with the Lord and each other. Maybe you're a single mom. Grace groups are so important because there's people that will help you. I'm going to uh, uh, excuse me, read to you someone who uh, wrote me their testimony of the importance of grace groups in their life. This comes from a man who's busy, has a lot going on, the job has kids, activities, stays, has hobbies, all those type of things like most of us have. But his life lost focus. His life began to take an unfortunate turn. And he was going to lose his family. And he was going to lose his kids. And he was going to be all alone. And then he writes this. Grace Groups have had a profound effect on my life and continue to help me grow. I'm a very guarded person and my walls are usually up. Does that sound like anyone in here? I'm very choosy about who I let into my world. Therefore, church has always been easy for me, especially grace because of its size. I could come in, go out, keep my connections very surface level. I'd say happy Saturday, happy Sunday, have a great week. And sometimes those are the only words that I'd ever say. It was also very easy for me to find an excuse not to go to church. After all, who would notice if I'm not there? We'll notice if you fill out a connect card, by the way. My grace group changed all that. It's a lot tougher to skip when you're one-fourth of the group. No excuse sounds quite the same when your group is counting on you to attend. My grace group has created relationships and connections that I didn't know that I wanted or truly needed. There's a safe place for communication creating vulnerability where there was never in my life. My group challenged me both personally and spiritually to grow and be a better man of God. There's so much healing in just talking and being able to open up to a smaller community who I'm accountable to and accountable for. I'm able to share my hopes, fears, joys, and sorrows and find healing, refreshment, and comfort in my prayers throughout my grace group. They have helped me through valleys in my life where I had little hope, if any at all. And they lend an ear when I just need someone to listen. And we talk and check up on each other constantly, not just once a week. Where I was once simply going through the motions of life and church, I now challenge the chaos of life, the storms of life, the hard aspects of life with a band of brothers and sisters in Christ. And now they know when I skip church. Is this the kind of community that you have? I would encourage you to search it. You can, we'll help you. We'll do whatever we can to help you. You can go visit the Connection Center, email us, 
We want to help you find community. And as we approach the fall, coming out of summer, and you begin to go through routine, I would encourage you to make community part of your routine. Not only community, but also the relationships that come with serving. It might seem counterintuitive to say, I'm going to take time out of my busy schedule, and I'm going to serve. Actually, there's refreshment that comes in that because you're discipling people. You're helping people. I remember when Tim challenged us, he said, are you just a church knickknack? Are you just a church knickknack? You just come and go through the motions and you go home? That's not what God desires. He wants us to be a part of a community that is thriving so we can find refreshment in the church and the body that he died for, that he gave his life for. The church was his dream to carry his mission And the gospel throughout the world, are you connected in community? Not only are we supposed to refocus through relationships, last point is this. We need to refocus through genuine repentance. Refocusing, refocusing to know God, to know him in community, to make him known comes through genuine repentance. If you truly want to refocus, you cannot be living in sin. You cannot have these strongholds and these patterns and be refreshed. It doesn't work that way. Acts 3.19 says, repent therefore and be converted. What does repent mean? What does this word mean? It means this, radical life change, change, excuse me, to change direction. So whether it's selfishness, anger, bitterness, pride, addictions, if that's what controls you, it is hard, it is impossible to find refreshment. Then we got to repent, it says, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, again, so times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Have you repented of your sins? See, you cannot make this right. You and your power and your morality cannot make this right. Only Jesus can. And the power of the gospel. The problem is we let our pride get in the way. We say, I can overcome this. I, 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 I. No, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. It's the gospel of Jesus. But when we deal with repentance, the hard part is this. That true repentance is being broken of our sin not just the consequence of our sin. I talk to a lot of people, and when I talk about their sin and their frustration of it, and they're like, it affected my family, it affected my job, and the consequence, they don't like it, which that is not fun. It's unfortunate, and that's one way of God getting our attention. But does that affect us more in the consequences or the sin and how we sin against God and the depravity of our life? Is that what makes us sick? Is that what makes us frustrated? It's Christ that meets us there. If you want to be refreshed, if you want to refocus, repent. And then times of refreshing will come. I don't know what you're dealing with. I really don't. All of us come from different backgrounds. We have different stories, different situations, different circumstances. But I know this, is that Jesus will meet you there. And I know sometimes sin just gets a hold of us and we try everything in our power 
to overcome it. But the reality is, we need the Spirit of God in us. And when the Holy Spirit empowers us, you will be amazed by the rest and refreshment that comes with it. Quit doing it yourself. Run to Him. God, I pray that we'll be a church that seeks true repentance. Lord, even the book of Isaiah, we're supposed to pray and repent of the sins of our city. Or confess the sins of our city, Lord, that we will do that. It will start with us individually and that we'll not be okay. That we got to realize, Lord, that we cannot serve both man and the world, or excuse me, man and God. We cannot serve the world and the flesh and the things of it and you. We cannot, it's not possible, Lord, but we will rest in you and we'll pursue you and the righteousness of Christ. It says in your word that our righteousness is filthy rags. It's dirty, it's messy. But your blood covers that. Your sacrifice takes care of it. May we just rest in you, come to you, and repent. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.